Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. I want everyone to open their Bible with me to 1 Samuel chapter 22 now. As we continue on our series on the life of David titled Pursue. And um, I want to jump right into it today. I want to, um, I feel like the best way to, um, to begin this message is actually to start with the title because the title will frame the conversation. And so the, t- the title of today's uh, message is David pursued God and grew in his calling. David pursued God and grew in his calling. This whole series is talking about what happens when you and I, in our lifetime, when we live as diligent seekers of the face of God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. In the New Testament, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. And as we're walking through this series, we're talking, we're, we're discovering what happens when we seek the Lord. We seek him, and then all of these amazing things happen. And one of, I would say, the most amazing things that happen is that as we seek God, God grows our calling. God unfolds the call of God on our lives. And I want to read the text, but let me just say one thing to frame this issue of calling. So um, there are, on occasion, families where parents play favorites. Sometimes uh, a parent will favor one child over another, but for the most part, Okay, in the 90, I think, percentile, most parents, they love all of their kids the same. How many of the moms and dads say amen? You just love all your kids the same. Um, But the thing about being a parent is that even though you love all your kids the same, loving your kids, you love your kids according to what their gifting is, what their needs are, what their personality is. And so... To the child, very often, it can seem different. So what happens is sometimes one kid in a family will say, uh, I want to be parented exactly the way my sibling is parented. Um, but the problem is, is they don't realize that their parent is, is, is raising up their sibling according to their needs, and they don't perceive their own needs. Many times we can look at someone else's life and we can see what that person needs, but when we look at our lives, we can't see. Can I get an amen for that one? You see, we can't see, but how many know God knows exactly what we need? And when it comes to the whole topic of calling, which I want to explain in a moment, but when it comes to the whole topic of calling, we need to realize that we are called of God. However, 
our journey will look different from our neighbor's journey, our brother's journey, our sister's journey. And many times when we come into the kingdom of God, we feel like, look at what is happening in that person's life. They're called, I'm not. But how many know everyone is called? If you give your life to Jesus, the call of God is on your life. In fact, uh, let's go ahead and jump to the definition of calling. Then I'll read the text. So what does calling mean? Calling takes place when God separates someone to himself, everyone say to himself, and then singles them out for a purpose, okay? People say, I'm called to preach, I'm called to sing, I'm called to this. Well, yes, but remember, the call of God is always first and foremost to himself. God calls us to him, and then out of that relationship, he reveals a purpose for our lives. So everyone here, you're called to the Lord. He calls us. He wants relationship with us. He desires to be near to us just like a heavenly parent. He is the perfect parent. He's the infallible parent. All, he does all things well. How many would say amen? amen? And he has called us and he calls us to himself first and then there's this kind of unfolding. Here's a classic example of it. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord, seeking the face of God. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, this is New Testament now, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who would become Paul, for the work to which I have called them. You see, seek God Get close to God, and then watch the call unfold in your life. How many would say amen? amen? Very, very important. In fact, in the Greek, the Greek word for church, ekklesia, literally means called out ones. The church of Jesus Christ are those who've been called out of the world. To what? To be close to Jesus first and foremost. To love him with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength. You see, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and part of that journey is the fulfilling of the call of God upon our lives. So, so I'm going to read the text, but I, I want everyone to say, I'm called to. Yes, you are. And you might have walked into the building today and feel like you're kind of a Christian, but you're on the fringe. You might feel like you're, you're, on the outer, you're on the outer edge of things. I want you to know God wants you right near to his heart. He wants you close, okay? He wants you to have all of the inside info, you know? And um, I want to read now a, a passage that is really subtle, understated and yet is so full of truth and so powerful in the way that in a regular person's life, because they're God seekers, God unfolds his great plan and purpose. And by the way, just know it's unique and, and we're not the writer, okay? We're not the screenwriter. 
We're not writing the book. The Lord is. And the Lord's version of our lives is actually better than our version for our lives. How many would say amen? All right, so let's look here. This is 1 Samuel uh, 22, just five verses. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Now, David is on the run. Somebody's after him, even though he's called. His life is not perfect, but he's called. You see, things are not, things are not rosy and easy and simple, but he's called. Okay? And that's the way it is. When you belong to God, it doesn't mean that everything is always perfect. It doesn't mean that you can claim your way or declare your way into the perfect life. I wish we could, but we can't, you know. And so here's what's going on. He's on the run. It says, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Now, isn't this an interesting turn of events? The very people who rejected him are not following him. It says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So notice that he's not saying, God has abandoned me. I'm in a cave. God is not. He didn't say any of those things. He's like, God is with me. Everyone say, God is with me today. Doesn't matter where you find yourselves. He's with you and you're called. Amen? He's with you and you're called. And he says, so, so he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. So I want to pray and ask God to help us discover now how he grows our call if we'll just be God seekers. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this wonderful time in your presence. Lord, I pray that every heart would, would experience a fresh grip of the call of God. Lord, that there would be a, a, a deeper embracing of our relationship and our call today. Bless this, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay, so here's what we're going to, to do. First of all, I want to put this map up I did this last week. You have one, two, three, four is the caves of uh, uh, Adullam. I hope I'm saying that right. And this is where David is. He's running from Saul. Saul is chasing him. He's on the run, and now he finds himself in uh, this cave. Here's what one of those caves, this is literally a cave uh, in Adullam. He probably was in a place just like this. Okay, by the way, this was really encouraging to me when we started this uh, church and we only had a handful of people and we were in a building that was pretty uh, jacked up, just to say that. And uh, um, there was no complaining because David started his ministry in a cave. 
But how many know little is much when God is in it? Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. The call of God starts from small things. And so David went into one of these caves. This is actually a national park now, my understanding, in Israel. But, but this, you know, he, he starts in this cave and, and there are, are hundreds of people to come to him. And let's look at what happens when we pursue God. First of all, when we pursue God, he grows our call through divine addition. Everyone say divine addition. Very, very important. Divine addition is very important. And here's what it means. If you and I seek God, then he will add. If we seek, he'll add. If, we'll, if we pursue, the Lord will add. It's an amazing thing. We want to add ourselves, but we don't have to add. How many know? If you are a God seeker, seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness, and all things will be, everyone, added unto you. How does God grow a person's call? We seek him and he adds. And so here's what happens. He's seeking God. He runs to a cave. And right there in a cave, he sends his parents. And listen, all those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gather around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. There is a divine addition on the life of a person that it pursues God and is called by God. There's divine addition. We don't have to work it all out. What we have to do is seek God and do what he's saying and be led by him. And if we'll just seek the face of God, all things will be added. This is New Testament. Seek ye face. Seek ye the face of God, the kingdom of God, and all things will be added. Do you need something added? Seek the face of God. And how many know he's able to add? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a spiritual series because in the natural, what you want might be over there. But in the spiritual, what you want can only be found right here. You see? Seek him. Seek him. Part of what happens when we seek the Lord is he makes all sorts of adjustments to our plans and dreams. And that's why a lot of people don't like seeking God because they don't want that oversight and adjustment. But just know you will never be your best if you're out of step with the will and call of God upon your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So look, here's a classic example. Um, if you look at the life of, of uh, D.L. Moody, Dio Moody was uh, a, a guy who gave his heart to the Lord. I think he had a third grade education. And here's basically what happened. And this is a classic example of divine addition. So in 1854, Edward Kimball led Moody to Christ in 1854. Okay? He gave his heart to the Lord. And uh, God began to do a great work in his life. And he, he, he the, the outstanding characteristic of D.L. Moody's life was that he was a God seeker. He believed God and he went after God very intensely. He started ministry to children. He started all sorts of things. And then after that, 
uh, uh, Moody uh, meets his wife and he marries his wife, Emma uh, Ravel, in 1859. And she was a volunteer at, at, at the Children's Sunday School uh, um, um, ministry that they had. And little by little, what Moody needed was added. You see, this is the way it happens. Average guy. God providentially gets him over here. He's a shoe salesman. He gives his life to Christ. He meets the right person. Now he meets the right woman. And then his ministry begins to supernaturally unfold. This guy who's not super educated, not super trained, when he speaks, people come to Christ. All right? So then he meets this guy named John Farwell, and he begins to fund Moody's evangelistic campaigns. He helps to fund Moody Church and even Moody Bible Institute. Moody didn't have the money. Moody didn't have the resources. But this man comes along. He was what, what some people call as a gospel patron. Some people come alongside of someone, and they, they, they help to supply. So this is what happened in Moody's life. After that, in 18. 64, as his ministry is exploding everywhere, Cyrus McCormick, McCormick connected to McCormick Place, he financed the, the, the YMCA. It's crazy. Now, now, as God is unfolding his ministry, he meets a man named Ira Sankey. Ira Sankey was a worship leader for Moody's traveling ministry. And they went together and Ira would sing and then Moody would preach. And God in his mind said, Moody needs a worship leader. Why? Because the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Worship always goes before the word. How many would say amen? amen. God provides Ira Sankey. You see? And Moody would go to travel all over the world. Now, at a certain point, he meets a woman who he called Auntie Sarah Cook, and she became a powerful prayer warrior in his life. And you know what? She actually told Moody, you need a deeper experience with God. And when Moody was in New York City, uh, as this lady was praying and many others, Moody was, if we could uh, say this way, Moody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was walking down a street in New York, and he was reaching out to God because you can pursue God when you're walking down the street, brothers and sisters. And while he's walking down the street, I've read this account in variety of books. A lot of people ignore this truth. A lot of people say that God doesn't empower people by the Holy Spirit, that that's for the New Testament alone. Well, let me tell you something. If you read any of his true biographies, he was walking down the street seeking God, and he was baptized. He was hit so hard by the Holy Spirit that he literally fell back up against a fence, and he said, Lord, if you don't stay your hand, I don't even know what I'm going to do. The power of God hit him. And after that, he ended up having conferences in Northfield, Massachusetts, and he would bring speakers from all over the world, and he'd say, preach on the Holy Spirit. Preach on the Holy Spirit, because what pastors need is the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people ignore that truth of his life, but that's in the records. And that's why we believe 
that God can empower people for his glory. You see? Then he, R.A. Torrey came along because there was ultimately there would be a bit of a transition and he led Moody Bible Institute and the Moody Church from then on. When I first became a Christian, my pastor gave me a, a, um, a book by, one of the first Christian books I ever read was by R.A. Torrey, uh, uh, The Fullness of Power, I think it was called. And, and, uh, and I've read his book on the Holy Spirit, and I've read tons of, 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 of D.L. Moody's books. These men were called by God. They sought God, and they were called by God. And here's what happens, okay? Here's what happens. See, we look at Moody after the fact. Before the fact, go into some shoe store. Go into the Foot Locker. I was in Foot Locker this week. Nobody has my size, by the way, but that's another conversation. <laughs> I was in a footlocker this week. Okay? Next time you walk in a footlocker, just know that could be the next deal, Moody. Because that's how powerful God is. How many would, would say amen that God is powerful? Amen. But see, here's the key. The key is that when we seek God, he adds what we need. All of the people, all of the places, all of the things the Lord is able to add if we just seek him. Amen? Okay, now the second one is so vitally important. I need you to really listen in. He grows our call through what I'm going to call divine guardrails. Divine guardrails. This is subtle. Sometimes you read something in the Bible and if you're not really paying attention, you could miss it. This is subtle, understated, but I'm here to tell you that what I'm going to talk about right now over the course of a person's life, this is actually a abundantly powerful. And remember, your perceptions determine your pursuits. David's life was blessed because he perceived the divine guardrails of his life. And so David is got all of a sudden, there's 400 people. That 400 men that come to him, so it might have been close to 800 people or 1,000 people. Part of that group was, was his brothers and his father and his mother, all of whom up until this point, whenever you read about them, they're basically negative in their treatment of David. You see? They weren't exactly the best towards him. Whatever's in scripture is not very positive. There's no hint of celebration, no hint of encouragement, no hint of any of those things. You see, but it doesn't matter. David understood. Look at what he says. He goes to the king and says, would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? Why would David want to take care of his father when his father was always kicking him to the curb? Here's why. It's because David understood that family and that fatherhood was a divine kingdom structure that he needed to honor. And he saw it as a guardrail in his life. He saw it as something that cannot be dismissed. So listen to this. I need to explain this to you. Okay, in the kingdom of God, David could perceive these things. Kingdom structures equal 
divine guardrails. Let's read this together. Ready? Kingdom structures equal divine guardrails. So listen to this. Submission to kingdom structures is always fundamental to kingdom progress. This is not easy. You've got to pay close attention. A lot of people miss this. A lot of people, they don't perceive kingdom guardrails because they don't perceive kingdom structures. They don't, they don't honor kingdom structures. This is one of the reasons why some people move forward in their call and some people are very slow in their calls. All right, so listen. Submission to kingdom structures is always fundamental to kingdom progress. What is submission? Very simply stated, Submission is honoring those things that are greater than ourselves. There are certain things in this life. I got one amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, <laughs> listen. There are certain things, right? There are certain things that are just and always will be greater than us. Why? Because God created them and established them. You understand? Certain kingdom structures are just greater than ourselves. Those who honor those structures will experience provision, protection, progress. Those who dishonor those structures live in a constant struggle. It's a life uh, that, that is rolling along with nothing but flat tires. I've watched this thing for the last 30 years. I've, I've even, you know what, I've watched this since I was a kid. Okay? So what we have to understand is every person here has certain things that need to be honored because they're just greater than ourselves. They are kingdom structures. So here's a few kingdom structures. For example, uh, uh, marriage is a kingdom structure. Everybody say amen. amen. That's why you can't tamper with marriage. That's why you can't play with this thing. God created marriage. God defines marriage. Marriage is a kingdom structure. We have to honor marriage. The world says adultery doesn't matter. The world says live around, sleep around, whatever. But God says something different. Those that honor marriage as a kingdom structure will experience a blessing, a protection, a progress. You see? How many will say amen? Family is a kingdom structure. Honor your mother and father. We have to honor them. It just, right or wrong, we still have to honor them. It's a kingdom structure. David wasn't led by them. David now is actually leading them, but he still had to honor them. Employment, your boss, that's a kingdom structure. Government is a kingdom structure. I was just talking to the people on, on, a, on a Tuesday night that, that I was with the mayor uh, this past week and how as, as Christians we have to be above the nonsense, the foolishness, the, the, the blindness of this world. If someone happens to be voted into office in the government... Okay, I'm telling you right now, you may not agree with them. I don't know, you don't have to agree with them, but you should honor them. Pray for them. How many of the Church of Jesus Christ should pray for every elected official? I'm telling you right now, your honoring them is more important than your political position when it comes to your life. That's what the Bible teaches.
This past week, I had the privilege. I sat right next to the mayor and in, a, in a pastor's conference, and I sat right next to the mayor, and I heard the mayor get up with tears in his eyes, and here's what the mayor said. The mayor said, this city is facing something that goes beyond money or programs. He said, this city is facing evil. And he said, and only love will conquer this evil. And he said to all of the men of God, we need you out there. You have to be out there. And here's what he said. He said, there's no block in this city where God doesn't belong. God belongs on every block. How many praise God for that? Now look, you may not be a Rahm Emanuel fan, okay? As a Christian, fine, but you should pray for him. Any elected official should be prayed for, and look, the more you pray, the more you might start hearing things coming out of their mouth that line up with the word of God, just like I did. How many would say that is awesome? Look, education. We have to teach our kids to honor our teachers, their teachers. And there's more. There's more. Our employer, there's more. But the point that I'm trying to make is that we have to honor kingdom structures. One of the standout, some, this has actually been all over the news over the last, I would say, six to nine months. Actually, our vice president has been hit by this, but he's been hit by something that originally started as the Billy Graham rule very quickly. This is the Billy Graham rule. Billy Graham had a personal rule in which he was accountable to his close circle at the Billy Graham Association. He would not travel with, meet with, or eat alone with a woman other than his wife, Ruth. Come on, Billy. His biographer said over the years, Graham received intense media scrutiny, but hardly anyone accused him of violating this principle. Uh, so our, our vice president uh, said that he follows this rule of many other, and he received all kinds of criticism under the guise of women being demeaning. I'm telling you right now, this rule does not demean women in any way. It actually exalts them and honors them in every sense of the word. But listen, if you just listen to the word instead of read your Bible and seek the face of God, you're going to miss it. See, we got to be God seekers. So look, this is a secular atheist said this. Listen to this. This, is a, this guy's an atheist, okay? He's a National Book Award winner. He wrote the screenplay for the movie Black Panther. So, so qualify this. But look, he says, I've been with my spouse for almost 15 years. In those years, I've never been with anyone but the mother of my son. But that's not because I'm an especially good or tr and true person. In fact, I'm wholly in possession of an unimaginably filthy and mongrel mind. But I am also a dude who believes in guardrails. I don't believe in getting in the moment and then exercising willpower. I believe in avoiding the moment. I believe that the battle is lost at happy hour, not at the hotel. I'm not a good man, but I am prepared to be an honorable one. Could we say amen? So look, look, part of today's message, I'm telling, look guys, God is doing something in this city. We can't miss it.
I don't want any one of us to miss it. Don't miss your part. God wants to open up the door for all of us, not just some of us. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Seek God. Watch God add. But be mindful that God will move your life forward through those guardrails. Here's, here's what the average person doesn't understand, and then we're going to close with the final point. The average person, I've been talking to a young person that I love, you know, over the last year, I've been talking to a, a young person. I have this conversation all the time. And a lot of times, young people, they think they're stronger than they are. See? But look, only kingdom structures can withstand the unholy forces of this life. So, there are forces of darkness. There are forces of this world. There are forces of our own flesh and fallen nature. Only kingdom structures can withstand those forces. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are saved. How many would say amen? If you dishonor a kingdom structure because of where you come from or because of your background or because of your culture or because of your education or because of your whatever, I'm telling you right now, you have just taken all the tire, the air out of your tires when it comes to moving forward in the will of God. See? So it's, it's kind of like this, all right? We're about to close. It's kind of like, it's, it's, uh, I'm out of the vision, but look, if you see this wall right here, okay, that wall is way stronger than me. I can push that wall, I can punch that wall, I can shove that wall. How many know that wall is not moving? Not for me at least, okay? Certain things are just stronger than we are. And I'm telling you, the immovable things are the structures of the kingdom of God. So when you go to make decisions and judgments, just know, don't dishonor kingdom structures. Honor them. Because if you honor kingdom structures, then you have the protection and the progress of God. That is a teaching right now that is totally anti-2018. But it is true today as it was before the foundations of the earth. Can I get a strong amen? Here's the last thing. He then grows our calling through divine direction. Look, he's in a cave. He's running. All kinds of craziness is going on. He's setting his parents up. He doesn't even know what God will. He says, until I learn what God will do for me, until I learn what God will do for me, and just when he needs it, watch what happens. The prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. Didn't tell him everything, but he told him enough. He didn't tell him everything, but he told him enough. 
He told them enough, as we stated last week, to keep them one step ahead of his enemy. He told them enough so that he could continue to progress despite the difficult circumstances. How many know you and I can keep progressing even in the midst of hardship and difficulty? If we hear the word of the Lord, the direction of God, then we will know just what to do. And how many know you can be in a prison like Joseph, but because you're hearing and interpreting and following what God says, you can go from the prison to the palace in one single day by the movement of the mighty God. God is able to direct us. Here's what the Bible says, and we'll close with this. Look at what the Bible says. This is embedded in the New Testament. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. How many know the called can trust in the leading of God? But you have to seek him. You have to pursue him. I love this promise in Isaiah. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, everyone, let's read it together. This is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. So I want to just close here. We're going to pray one for another, you know. And I want to, listen, I want to encourage you to go home and seek God. See, this is the difference. This is the difference. Someone will go home today and put this message into practice. Someone will say, you know what, that message, it made me kind of uncomfortable. It really rattled me a little bit, and i kind of rather forget it. I'm going to go watch this. I'm going to go do this. But someone will say, regardless of all that, they're going to go home. And they're going to get alone with God. They're going to stand someplace, go for a walk. I've been walking a lot. My neighborhood just reaching out to God, park basement you know when I'm in the street I don't typically raise my hands I don't want people to think I'm crazy but I do in my office but I reach with my heart because I need to hear him everyone we need to hear the direction of the Lord this is not drama this is life his life. Somebody's going to go home and reach out to the Lord. Read their Bible. Read a promise. I read a promise. I don't have time to unpack it, but this morning for myself, for you. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say Say
to the heavenly one. I'll say yes. Reach out to Jesus. I'll say yes. To your
Put your hand on your heart. Father, we ask that you would grow our calling, oh God. God, we know that your will is what's best and your way, your journey, your script is what's best. And God, we pray today that you, oh Lord, would do something inside of us so that our faith fulfillment will reside in just seeking you because Lord we know that if we seek you first all things will be added oh God we know that if we seek you first we'll be protected we know father that if we seek you first we will be directed. Lord, I pray that today's service would not conclude here. I pray for every person who's hearing me. Oh God, make this day, oh God, a day where we set aside time to seek your face. Hallelujah. My heart said, seek him. And your face, Lord, I will seek, the psalmist said. May it be so. Release your people. Let this be a Lord's day today. A day when we think about you and focus on you. And we look to you, God, to speak to the call, to your special call upon our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, could we give God one final hand clap offering as we depart from...